Hi, my name is Ian Khan, and you're listening to the Innovation Times Podcast. I am a technology author, speaker, and an advocate for everything good that technology brings. A part of my work is running the Innovation Times Podcast and bringing together people from various aspects of the industry and talk about how technology is affecting the way that they perform their jobs, their functions, and how they're leading their organizations to change that's propelled by technology. As part of my podcast, I interview people from all segments of the industry and different verticals as well. Welcome to Innovation Times. Hi, this is Ian Khan from ASA 2017, and I have with me John Graham, CEO of ASA. John, welcome to the program. Ian, it's great to be here. Thank you for uh, talking to me. It's my pleasure, and it's the second time we're meeting. We're yes. meeting in Toronto again, and the last time we spoke was when you were doing the tour for, for this event, and it's been a couple of months since then. But now we're here. It's day two of the ASA conference, and all I've been hearing throughout these last couple of days are good things. Uh, everybody's in a great mood. Everybody has had super amazing connections. My only question to you is, how did you manage to pull it off? It's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> well, the fact is, it is uh, any meeting of this size is, is a lot of work and requires a lot of planning. But I also think that the association community is naturally very welcoming, uh, very accommodating. Uh, they love the network. Uh, they naturally do it. It's not a forced situation. Uh, a lot of the people here know each other, but 25% of the people here are new. This is their first time meeting. So uh, you always have that uh, mix of people who have been here for 30 years and people who have been here one year. Uh, it's their first one. So, uh, But it's a very welcoming and uh, engaging community. Excellent. And, uh, you know, one, a, a couple of things stood out th throughout my discussions uh, during the conference, and, and I'll talk to talk about them uh, with you and yeah. just get your insights on them. Uh, you know, we had Nilofer yesterday as a keynote, and she talked about, you know, the, the, the power of onlyness, and it was all about, I think every conversation now is about how do we go beyond uh, the superficial problems that we have and talk about people and the, the power people bring to the equation. And associations, in my uh, understanding, uh, it touches people. It's all about people. People are part of associations. Right. They do their work through associations. So what are your plans for the next couple of years or the next few years, if I will? And how do you see this engagement becoming different or better when it comes to give, you know, helping associations do better yeah. of what they do? Uh, ASA has historically touched, from a membership standpoint, the more senior people in an organization, uh, you know, the CEO, the COO, uh, the C-level people, and that's typically been the people who have belonged to ASD. Last year, we launched a hybrid membership model, and that membership model was really to move ASAE from that traditional membership business model to an engagement model, which means that people have the opportunity to engage at the level and at the rate and to the degree that they want to engage. And, uh, and it gives them more flexibility in terms of how they engage with us and, and what they want to receive from us and what their value proposition is with us. Yeah. And so 
for us, the opportunity to engage a larger cohort of association executives is all about why we introduced the organization membership. And it's not an organizational membership, which means the organization doesn't belong. It's a membership in which the organization buys membership for all of their staff at a significantly discounted rate. Mm -hmm. And so that in and of itself allows us to attract a much larger cohort. And in fact, in just a little over a year, we've increased our membership from 21,000 to over 39,000. And so the trick for us now will be to how do we engage those new members who in general, 90% are younger, uh, they're millennials, uh, they're young, younger not only in age, but younger with less experience in association work. And so there are two things that we believe they're going to be very interested in doing. Uh, one of those things is uh, our association career headquarters, which is a job board, but it's a lot more than a job board. It's a, it's a, it's a place where an association professional could go to see what their opportunities are, uh, have help, have help, uh, you know, building a resume, uh, have somebody critique that resume. Uh, here we have coaching sessions that are going on for some of those individuals, uh, and so and they have that opportunity to schedule coaching uh, when we're back in D.C. too, or where they happen to live. So, association career headquarters is one pathway from a, a career standpoint. Mm -hmm. The other career piece is professional development and learning. Uh, not only the skills that are required in association management, but also the softer skills, the business skills, mm -hmm. uh, relationship building, uh, the ability to do a presentation, the ability to do public speaking, uh, those types of skills. And so uh, that's really our strategy going forward over the next couple of years. We've now invested heavily into having the technology platforms necessary to do this. Now we need to go out and take the product to market. Excellent. And I think uh, it's, it's such a wonderful initiative that education uh, and, and getting the skills of everybody who's, who needs help, getting their skills brushed up and fine-tuned, it's very important to be not just competitive, but to, but to fine-tune yourself to be a 100% value creation right. yeah. focused. Right. Uh, and that's very important yep. and, 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 and it's agree. highly commendable. Yep. Now, the education has changed so much from, you know, and I won't go back 50 years, it's, it's far too back. Education has changed in the last 10 years and it continues to change as, as apps come out, as, you know, uh, MOOCs come out and there's, there's, you know, you could go on Coursera or edX or one of these websites and do a course from Princeton, do a course from MIT or one of the prestigious universities across the world. So the democratization of education, I would say, is taking place. How do you see the future of education uh, in, in terms of helping professionals get where they want to be and need to be? That's part one of the question. My part two is, how do we push people to go and get that education? And I feel that's a bigger challenge. Yeah, I think that uh, when, when we look at the whole education training arena, uh, we look at it through the lens of face-to-face -face meetings, uh, which are more traditional. Uh, as, as I may have shared with you back in May when we last spoke, uh, at least in the U.S., I suspect it's probably true in Canada as well, at least, is that associations are the leading providers of adult education. Uh, so uh, associations, by their very nature and fabric, are educators. Uh, so that would be one comment to that. The second comment is that education is is changing, as you pointed out. 
And so what we're seeing is the opportunity to do a lot more just-in-time education and point-of-need education. So I, I want to learn something when I want to learn it because I need to learn it right now because I have a job to do. Uh, and so that's becoming much more prevalent and much more popular. Short, shorter, pro, shorter courses, uh, shorter programs, and, uh, and at the time you want that program because you need it. And so we're seeing that happen. The other thing we're seeing is that there are opportunities in education, even enabled by technology, even though there are people who can't be here physically, uh, there's the opportunity to stream education and programming out. Uh, there's the opportunity to archive it uh, and, and, dis and distribute it later, mm -hmm. sell it later, however that works. And so there are many, many, many new opportunities. But the one thing we do know is that people like to learn in a face-to-face -face environment. People like to like to, to be engaged in a human interaction, and that's important. Excellent. And and you know the the more we the more we look at the face of education changing, I think it's an opportunity for all of us to even change the way we traditionally have learned. Uh, the newer generations don't have a problem, the millennials and the Zs and so on, they don't have an issue uh, in working with technology. But some of the older generation, this is my personal experience, uh, is I think we need to be a little bit more flexible, look at more ideas and more newer things to test out. And, and I, I generally see a little bit of technology anxiety in, in the world where we're intimidated by new technology. We don't want to touch it, it might break. Uh, and I was talking with, uh, with Reggie um, uh, Henry uh, just, just uh, earlier today and he's the CIO uh, and Chief Engagement Officer at ASA and we talked about the need for technology to add more value and how associations can, uh, can look at technology in a different way. Now, what do you see or what is your advice to um, leaders of associations, whether it's a small association, the large association, what would you say from, from how you see technology playing a part for associations in doing a better job at what they do or what they want to do? Yeah. Well, our, our, you know, my, my advice to associations uh, continues to be uh, really, uh, really the same advice, and that is uh, you need to be technology conscious, meaning that you have to recognize that technology is changing all the time. You have to be following that technology. Uh, you have to understand what your needs are and what your members' needs are. And you have to understand that mobile mobile technology is really a game changer. You and I talked about that the last time. Mm -hmm. Mobile technology changes the game 180 degrees. Associations try to create programs and experiences for their members, like ASAE does here at this annual meeting. But it's also true that members want to create their own experiences at the time they want to create them in the format that they want to create them. So that's a different challenge for associations. Technology enables that, but associations have to get in a, in a, in a, in a condition where that technology is available to their members and in a way that is affordable to the association. And I think the big barrier to all of that is cost. I think a lot of the things that uh, really facilitate a great user experience like an intuitive taxonomy, a content distribution system, mm -hmm. a content management system, uh, a website that is, uh, you know, uh, mobile friendly first. Uh, all that requires resources. And so, it, depending on the association, depending on their size, they need to figure out where they're going to start on that technology journey, recognizing that they right now might already be behind the eight ball, yeah. but that they need to catch up and how can they catch up? And so, what's their plan? to be up to date and up to speed in technology. Excellent. 
uh, I want to ask you uh, quickly about two, two, two more topics. The first is diversity, diversity within uh, you know, the association world. And I know you're very passionate about, yeah. about supporting this cause and, and making sure that we have equal representation, not just from men and women, but from people of all ages, groups, yeah. genders, and so on. Uh, do, you, do you think the world of associations is slowly moving towards a better balance uh, in, in, uh, in diversity? I see a lot of that happening. How do you see it, uh, it coming out in the next uh, couple, of, couple of years? I think diversity and inclusion uh, really, I think, for, for me, has a couple of faces. Uh, the first face is that diversity and inclusion is the right thing to do. Uh, everybody should feel welcome. Nobody should feel unwelcomed. Uh, we should be a very welcoming society, uh, whether you're talking about a country, whether you're talking about a society, whether you're talking about a community. It needs to be a very welcoming community, and, and I think that's important. The second piece around diversity that is important, from my perspective, is the real business case for diversity. You know, if you get a bunch of people who all look alike, uh, are the same age, uh, have the same background, have the same experience, uh, you're going to get basically the same product. Uh, nothing's going to change. You get a better product when you have diversity of thought, diversity of opinion. Uh, you're inclusive with different segments, whether it's generational, whether it's gender, whether it's sexual orientation, whatever whatever that happens to be. Ethnicity, I mean, they're all in the mix. doesn't have to be all of them in the mix, but everything is in the mix. You want people around you who are challenging, who are questioning, who are curious, and who who push the envelope to say, well, I know we've done it this way, but how do we do it differently? And so that to me is the second piece of why uh, diversity and inclusion is important. And, and you know, and I think uh, the, the third case is, is really about generational now. Uh, millennials are colorblind. So millennials are now 60% of the workforce. By 2025, they'll be 75% of the workforce in the U.S. Globally, they're already 75% of the workforce. So. You know, millennials don't think about color anymore. They're not. They're not. Uh, they're not protesting. They don't have the, the same bias that my generation had and grew up with. Uh, they don't have that. Uh, they're gender blind. They're sexual orientation blind. Those things are not important to them. And what's important to them is the ability to engage, and and the ability to engage with a broad swath of people. Yep. And so, I think if you're going to be competitive. Uh, you need to be, uh, you, you need to appeal to that sense of blindness, if you will. Uh, I think you need to understand that you're adding value when you are diverse and inclusive. And, and I think you need to appreciate and stand for the fact that it's simply the right thing to do. Yeah, that's so well said. And as the world becomes a smaller place, we see that uh, Organizations, whether it's a manufacturing company, it's a, it's a healthcare company, or what have you, that's part of an association. Uh, we're doing business internationally. You know, the borders have have gone away, and there's there's more uh, in and out of goods and services that exchange that's taking place. Absolutely. Unless you don't accept different uh, viewpoints, different uh, ages, genders, nationalities, you will not be able to create that culture that really fosters that ability to scale and grow that's internationally across borders. Exactly right. And it is so important for us at this uh, in this era, and rightly said by you about millennials and how they're increasing. 
in, in you know the percentage of, of the workforce. I think even for generations uh, that are older than the millennials, the X's and the Y's, I think in order to fit in this uh, new, uh, I wouldn't say technology-powered world, but technology-enabled world, right. uh, where uh, where borders have vanished, I think it's very important to to be very sensitive to. Uh, to, to diversity and inclusion because in making that part of yep. your organization's DNA right. is going to be I think a key factor for success right. and there's so many other pieces to this there's the there's the, the travel ban and there's so many other things that are complicating things for uh, for people who want to do business but but I completely agree with you that we need to be blind in a good way yes exactly, exactly. <laughs> to uh, so exactly. A, a good model let's be blind yep. uh, to all the things that are stopping us from growing right. Uh, I know we've taken too much of your time, John. Last but not least, between now and 2018 Chicago, so the ASA uh, 2018 is going to be in Chicago. Right. What advice would you give uh, all the associations that potentially have attended the show, have not attended the show, and viewers who will watch this video as well, what should they be focusing on for the next 12 months in terms of excellence, in terms of creating more value with whatever area of business and community they represent? What should they do? And do if they have uh, an, uh, an opportunity to visit uh, ASA uh, 2018 in Chicago, which they should, everybody should be there, what would you tell them uh, they should do? And I met uh, associations from Dubai, I met people from Egypt, yeah. so I've met in people from international right. uh, levels. Yeah. It's not we just from America. Delegations here, yeah. So what would you, your advice be to the global associations community? Uh, what should they be focusing on? Maybe a top few points so that they can uh, benefit from this, this one year of learning and change. Well, I think every association, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, associations generally exist to help society. They are there to transform society. So if you think about it in its broadest context, associations touch everything we touch as humans. Uh, the clothes we wear, the food we eat, the procedures we have, the cars we drive, the roads we drive on, the bridges we cross, the beds we sleep in, everything is touched by an association. So in its broadest context, associations are not changing the quality of life, they are making the quality of life better and better and better. And that's really what associations are all about. And so when I look at it through the lens of ASAE, ASAE's job in that model, if you will, is are to help association professionals who are running associations, help them to be more effective, more productive, uh, more efficient, and, and, and achieve better outcomes towards their overall missions so that the world can continue to be a better place. So when ASAE talks about trying to transform society, we transform society through other associations. And associations have the ability to touch millions and millions of people, both in the U.S. and around the world. Mm -hmm. And what we see in various parts of the world, whether it's Pacific Rim, uh, South America, uh, Middle East, uh, Africa, Europe already has a rich culture of associations starting back in the Middle Ages mm -hmm. with the guilds. So, it, so, you know, from my perspective, what people ought to be focused on right now is what is the, you know, any association should be focused on, what is the value proposition for my member? What is it that makes me valuable to my member? And how can I provide them that value in a way that they can't get it any other place? Mm -hmm. And in a way that is cost-effective, efficient, and timely. 
And if you keep focusing on your value proposition to your members, mm -hmm. uh, you can't go wrong. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, John. Thank you for spending this time with us and, uh, you know, giving us some words of wisdom. Uh, everybody, please check out the ASAE website. And if you are an association, uh, visit ASAE 2018 in Chicago next year and start planning right now and, and you know, put yourself towards success uh, and, and learn from your peers and, and, and other colleagues who, who will be attending. I think this year you also had a record attendance of about, I think it was around 5,000 attendees and uh, it, it was uh, pretty amazing, uh, the number of people yeah, that turned yeah. out. Yeah, wasn't a record attendance, okay. but uh, we had a, a very consistent attendance. We certainly had uh, about a 10% increase over the last time we were in Toronto, so that's a good sign. Excellent. Well, John, thank you so much for your time. You. I really appreciate, I appreciate it. it. Thank, thank you very much. If you're confused about the current state of technology and the impact that it has on the world, then you are at the right place. My name is Ian Khan. I'm an author and a technology speaker who focuses on the value created in the current world. I talk about ideas, thoughts, and value creation in general that helps us propel ourselves into a future that's driven by technology. The Internet of Things, blockchain, artificial intelligence, cloud, are all means to create value. Technology, in general, is an enabler for positive business outcomes. If you're confused about the outcomes that technology can create for you, then you're at the right place. For more information, you can always visit me on my website at www.iancon.com or follow me on social media on Twitter at IanConLive. Let's change the future by creating a value, nothing else. Let's just change the future by creating more value. That's what I stand for, and that's my message. Just when you're